0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from just the news, where today, some breaking news up on Capitol Hill, Senate Republicans uh, were able to block the bipartisan commission that Democrats wanted to create to investigate the riots of January 6th. Uh, So there will not be a bipartisan commission, at least not now, uh, to investigate that tragedy. Uh but some breaking news there. You can get all the details, of course, on justthenews.com. Now, today we're gonna do something fun. I don't I don't have a monologue for you. I really want to cue up my first guest. We are so lucky. We've seen him on TV for decades. Um, but as a reporter, you know, I have a handful of people I call um and use as a reporter, as a journalist, as bellwethers, people who can tell you where the liberal movement is stands where the um, independent movement and politics stands, where the Republicans and conservatives stand. And for the last five or six years, I have been following this guy. Yes, he's a Hollywood star. Uh, He was the original host. I bet you don't know this. He was the original host of Wheel of Fortune before Pat Sajak and hosted some of the most iconic game shows in American history, had a role in movies. He's a great thinker. He's got a podcast. But for me, uh, he's among six or seven people that I monitor on Twitter all the time to get a sense of what conservatives are thinking. Now, I've got folks on the left that I monitor, you know, John Podesta, uh, former Clinton chief of staff, Hillary Clinton chairman. You, mo- you monitor his social media and his comments because he's a good representative. As a journalist, you really understand where the left is going. And there are members of Congress on both sides I do that too. But four, the last five or six years, I've been following Chuck Bullery. I probably never told him this. I'm going to tell him him today, but I have followed him as a bellwether because I think he has a way of summarizing and accentuating where conservative thought, conservative ideas, conservative politics are about to go. That's what a bellwether does. They're like a crystal ball, and for some reason, Chuck has this extraordinary prescience to uh, to know where a story is going, where conservative thought is going. And for instance, a few months ago, he was already on the critical race theory and the uh, stuff going on in our schools. That's become a big issue now on the China virus, uh, the the, uh, virus that came potentially, the possibility came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He was somebody talking about that. He's really had a radar that as a journalist, you know, when you follow the right people, you can get ahead of where... Politics is going, and I've been blessed over the years to just follow his social media and, and and consider him among a group of people that I help me understand where I think conservative politics is. Some are in Hollywood, some are in Washington, some are in business that I follow. Uh, likewise, some are uh, you know on all sides. I follow liberals, I follow conservatives, I follow independents. That's what you got to do as a journalist to get a 360 view so that we can come and try to inform you honestly. Adjust the news, and so today, without further ado. You're going to get a very special treat right after the commercial break. Chuck Woolery is joining us. Yes, Chuck Wallery, the the man we welcomed into our living room for decades. Gracious, uh, entertaining, funny, politically astute. Uh, We're very blessed to have him right after this commercial break. Our exclusive interview with Chuck Woolery. And when we're done with that, we're going to take you for a few minutes to Lithuania. Maybe it feels like you're eating broccoli for a second, but you know why? It's an important democracy in the Baltics that is showing courage against a neighbor who is having a totalitarian crackdown on its people. We all heard about the headlines in Belarus today. We're going to talk to one of the youngest members of the Lithuanian parliament, someone that shares our values about human rights, politics, freedom, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And uh, Marius uh, Matasaitis is here. He'll give us a little update on what's going on with the tragedies in Belarus And how Lithuania, a little country of less than 3 million people, are standing up for freedom the way America normally stands up for freedom. We're going to have both of those. First, the commercial break. Then, to our good friend, Chuck Wallery right after this. Of scammers, If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code news. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody that I've been watching on television for years. I admire for both his political uh, viewpoints and his extraordinary talents. Chuck Woolery is joining us today. Chuck, it is an honor to have you on the show.
1: Well, it's my honor to be on your show, John. I follow you, too. And so we have a mutual admiration. Society here.
0: <laughs> How about that? I love it. Well, I uh, um I follow your Twitter often as a bellwether for just where people are thinking. I think you have such a unique ability to take things that are in the back of people's heads and get it to the frontal lobe and one of the things that I I saw you tweeting about the last few days that caught my attention is just how much the COVID-19 story has come full circle. Last year, when President um, Trump was saying, hey, I think this could have come from a lab accident, could have come from a mistake in China. And he was panned. People who wrote about it, like myself, got banned from Facebook or censored. And now the story has come full, full circle. And uh, I love the, the tweet you have. You really, you really kind of brought the hypocrisy of the media. They're, they're covering it now like they didn't disown it for a whole year. How did that happen?
1: It's, well, it's just what they do. They, you know, they just uh, deny the fact that they ever said anything and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And then it comes back to bite them, but it never really bites them, uh, which is the problem. But uh, anyway, I, the thing with it is, is that a year ago, I just did a podcast this morning on Blunt Force Truth with Mark. And a year ago, we were talking about gain of function. Right. Nobody right. was talking about it. No. And we were, we were connecting the dots from, uh, I think, the University of North Carolina and Harvard and, and other places. So we right. were doing a little bit of research with information that was available to anybody. And so we talked about this, and then uh, everybody called us conspiracy theorists and nuts and crazy. And so here we are now that uh, you know Fauci has said before Congress that well, there's no such. We didn't do gain of function. Of course, we know he did. Yeah. And we know they did. And we know they paid for it with American dollars for some unknown reason. And I guess it was to get around the the uh, restrictions of gain of function in this country that Obama imposed. Right. And so that's all I can, you know, deduct from what's going on. And so they figured, well, they'll go and fund China and let them do it, which I find is totally insane. And on top of that, does China really need our money to do gain-of-function exactly. research? I mean,
0: they're doing really? well on their own. <laughs>
1: uh, thank you. It's like it's like saying to Amazon, "We're going to give you a three thousand dollars bonus for just showing up today." I mean, it's crazy. It is. So uh, anyway, we talked about that, and, and we I finally figured out that Dr. Fauci has really put himself into a to a box that he's not going to be able to get out of. That's a
0: great point. Now, I don't
1: think he's going to. The funny thing about it is when you you get to Washington and you get to these experts and people who are responsible for the health of the nation, we have now found out that they're just not quite honest. They're very political, and they mislead a great deal, and they confuse you with mixed messages. And so I don't think he'll ever be held responsible for anything that he's done. And quite frankly, what he's been a part of, and this may sound hyperbolic, but I don't mean it to be, what he's been a part of, with perhaps no intention of being a part of, is literally killing millions of people around the world. I mean, when you think about that happening and no one being held responsible for it and no one having any curiosity at all within the Biden administration to get to the bottom of this and to completely you know, go along with the China denial, I, it's perplexing and frustrating. It really is.
0: Yeah this is listen one of the most this is one of the most tragic world moments in the in, in a century i mean right, right up there with the world wars and everything so many lives lost and there's a, a, an unbe- you said it an unbelievable lack of curiosity to get to the bottom of it which makes me wonder that maybe they know where the bottom is and they don't want to go there uh, Well
1: i think they probably do yeah. but i think I don't think that most of the american people and i, I don't mean to you know talk down to them or condescending in any way but i just think they just don't understand how China has infiltrated every part of our government and our, and our media, of Hollywood, of uh, corporations, and how, how much power they have over all these people that they will literally deny their own country and support a Chinese communist line of thinking and, and just repeat phrases that they say in order to be on their good side. I mean, even when it comes to Taiwan, here's this guy who's an actor who said something about Taiwan, and he immediately had to retract his statement. Yeah. I think he's been fast and furious, and uh, had to retract it and say, I'm sorry, I mentioned Taiwan as being a country.
0: <laughs> Isn't that something?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it is something. It shows you the power that they have.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt. And academia is another place where they embedded so many of their academics oh. And uh, unraveling of that towards the end of the Trump administration, the Bar Justice Department was starting to prosecute a lot of these academics who were taking illegal money from China, not disclosing it. But uh, I don't think we've unraveled even a part of that onion yet. There's so many more peels and layers to go. Do you think as we we, we uh, learn more from this, and the story is clearly evolving, I think a lot of people are gonna look back at that famous moment between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci where he pinned him down and said, you're telling me oh, yeah. you, you didn't pay for any gain of function research, so that that moment's gonna come back uh, and, and give us some <laughs> new relevance in the near future. But do you think as we look step back from this that the, uh, the American people will look at the public health system, which we're, we take a lot of pride in, right? We love our doctors, we love our nurses, but it looks like a public health system that we gave tens of billions of dollars to really had no strategy, no execution capability when the first pandemic came along. Do you think there's a moment inflection as we get further away from the crisis of COVID and we go back and say, we got to fix this. We got to, we have a broken bureaucracy.
1: Well, our, you know, our bureaucracy has been broken for a long, long time. It's yeah. just that none of us knew that even the, the health of our country was you know, run by a broken bureaucracy, which obviously we know now. Yeah. And it's very disappointing. It's very disheartening. But then you get the connection to the World Health Organization, which is incredibly corrupt. Uh, and now we've got to depend on them to do research and find out where it came from and China and all this kind of thing. You know the thing, John, that really that is very disturbing? What's that? And there's just no reason in Washington at all. It's just gone. Is when... If Donald Trump was for it, or if he said he thought about something, that could very well be. And he's one of these guys who's an entrepreneur that uh, my dad used to say. He said, you know, son, I'm going to tell you something. There are guys in the world who are very successful entrepreneurs, and the secret is they can see around corners. He said guys like Carnegie and Rockefeller and people like that. He said they, they just literally see around corners. They see what nobody else sees. Yep. And he said that's why they got so far ahead of everybody else. It's just a gift. It's like a fighter pilot—that one fighter pilot that can see the plane that's coming at him, and nobody else can see because he's got this incredible eyesight. Right. So Donald Trump was, I believe, one of those guys. Without sounding like I'm, you know, just an accolade, yeah. But uh, he was one of those guys who kind of saw around corners, and no matter what he said, the left was so opposed to it. And quite frankly, the elitist right was very opposed to him as well, and so he got both barrels shot at him all the time. And they would denounce anything he said. And then we find out later on, in so many cases, he was absolutely right.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: but, you know, there's no way to there's no way to repair it. It's like you know, ruining someone's reputation. How do you go back and repair it once you've ruined it?
0: Yeah, it was literally. If he said blue, they said no. It's uh, white. Yes. If he said green, it's yellow. It just and, and and Fauci was never that supportive of it either. No, he. I wasn't. mean, it was
1: obvious. You know, it's funny, John. When uh, when Fauci first came on the scene, I didn't really know he was involved in HIV. I didn't know who he was. Right. He kind of came out the first time on stage, and I remember tweeting out, "You know, there's something about this guy that just doesn't ring true, and I can't really put my finger on it." Just an. So thing. I'm not yeah. going to go any further. But it just it was you know just a sixth sense that I yeah figured this
0: someone right. Well, you certainly got that one right. It's funny when earlier in my career, when I worked for the Associated Press, I did a whole series of stories on ethical lapses on his watch, including the use of foster children in New York to uh, treat test AIDS drugs on and, you know, got a lot of attention at the time. And then he managed, despite all the controversy and the high profile concerns, he managed to survive that. And then 20 years later, there he is back in the limelight running a pandemic strategy that uh, you
1: cannot kill a bureaucrat you can't kill <laughs> it's true. it's they're true to everything. They are.
0: They're, the, they're the new teflon there's no doubt about it the, uh and but in this one it came with consequences and i think you know i look back at suppose that people took the president seriously when when he had that intuition and he probably had some intelligence too because you know he gets the right. best cia briefing we well, can he is a
1: president he should know he, he know. should he should
0: absolutely and they probably did we could have gone to China and said, listen, accident or no accident, you know what the virus looks like. Help us out. Let's get a head start on it. All of that pushback prevented us from having a constructive opportunity to fight the pandemic. And it comes at the cost of lives. And uh, I've seen you say that on Twitter. And I think it's so important to remind people these bureaucrats decisions, these uh, uh, 180 degree reversals that we've seen, uh, they come with the cost of human life. And I think that's the part we haven't fully grappled with
1: happened this time for sure. It really did. Yeah, And I'm not sure that anyone will ever be held accountable for it. I really don't. They may be slapped on the wrist, but I don't think their jobs will be lost or they'll retire and just fade into the woodwork. But I mean, good good Lord, think about it. Think about the millions of people who suffered and died with this around the world. And and it also promotes a conspiracy, which a lot of people will talk about. And of course, it's easily debunked because we don't know it for sure. Right. But it looked so obvious when Wuhan was closed down, the Chinese knew that these people were in bad shape and they knew they were dying Right. and wouldn't let them travel to anywhere in, in China. Not anywhere. They couldn't go to Beijing, Shanghai, I don't care. They were not allowed to get out of the city, but they could fly around the world. Unreal. I mean, to explain that.
0: Yep. As long as they didn't go to somewhere else in China, they could go anywhere in the world and spread the virus. It's just crazy. And, it, There's only
1: one explanation for that. It's not a good one.
0: Yeah, no, it's not. And and uh, and again, uh, you think back at the time when the president closed the borders and it was all, oh, you're a xenophobe. You're doing... But that was yeah. a momentous decision that bought the United States a lot of time, I think, to to try to stay ahead of this horrible disease. Really, really remarkable.
1: Well, when he closed down China, flights from China, they he was just pillar. Yep, you he know, was. Xenophobe, and, uh, you know, you know it was right. It was the right thing to do. The poor guy... I mean, I don't see poor guy. I think he's he's probably very happy. He seems like a happy man to me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, he just couldn't win. If he did everything right and couldn't win, yeah. it's amazing. So
0: yeah. No, there was such a resistance built to him, and you have the right alliance, right? It's all the Democrats and the elitist Republicans together, and yeah. they probably hampered our country in in many ways in in, in taking such a strident view to it.
1: I want to go back. So you get... asked me where where I thought this thing was going. Yes, where do you think yeah. it is going? And I, I think that's a very important question that I can't literally answer. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have I have no insight or answers or something like that. I I Americans are have a tendency lately, I think, in the last oh thirty forty years, to just kind of forget, just move on because we're as a people we're very forward thinking, right? And and there's a there's a good and a bad part of that. The bad part about it is we don't really rely on history that much to teach us anything. The good thing about it is we move on no matter what's in our way. Right. So I have a feeling that, uh, the American people will probably move on. This will go down in history as a forgotten pandemic by most people. And, you know, and I don't think that anyone will be blamed in the press or in the history books or, uh, in the memories of people I just don't th- I just think it'll be a tragedy yep. as most things are looked at today as a tragedy
0: put it in the rearview mirror yeah yeah and that's too bad because well, there's a I lot think. of learning lessons that we probably need to deduct from it
1: you know that's one thing that I I know that there, there are a lot of people involved I'm sure you are one, one of them but uh, I, I look at history with Hegel in Germany and and uh, you know all of the the Frankfurt school and all those all of those really bad ideas that came out of yeah, Germany in, right. in the late uh, 1800s that were picked up by Russia and Italy and and uh, you know other countries in <clears throat> in the world and and you look at the blueprint of this and all of a sudden you see your country falling for the same stuff that they yeah. did. You think, holy cow, people just knew where this leads. The breadcrumbs are there. All you got to do is pick them up and follow them, and you'll get to the answers. And Unfortunately, we just don't do
0: that. Yeah, and that's a really, well, this current generation, the younger generations, they have no connectivity to that history, and, and that's oh, you why... Sound
1: you sound like Aristotle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's
0: scary, though. It's um, That's why you end up with a 70% poll that says, you know, millennials 70% think socialism's okay. They never saw what they don't remember or weren't taught what socialism yeah, did to it, these great countries. They even, don't know what it did. No, even as Venezuela.
1: Bad. Yeah, it, it's yeah. remarkable. Well, you, I know it's right here in front of us. It's just south of us. And you would think that you'd say, okay, that's socialism. And they go, no, 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 that's something else. That's not social. Yes,
0: it is. It is but, 100%. And it took a powerful, economically viable country and, and brought it to its knees in just 10 years. It's remarkable.
1: I, uh, it is. Man, I was there a year ago. I remember it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I want to ask you about another tweet that you had, because I thought this was interesting. And, and, and I, I think you're, you're beginning, and I've seen you talk about this on Twitter a few times. You know, the, yeah, the tweet says, they say that Biden is vulnerable because of the border. That's just scratching the surface as far as I'm concerned. I think you're, I think that this love honeymoon that was with Biden has been very short-lived. People are starting to look at it from the, the pump prices where you're paying more gas to all the things going on. What do you think happens with the Biden presidency?
1: Well, I think it's what happens with the Jimmy Carter presidency and uh, and people who think like they think and have the wrong solutions for the right problems. And you know his economic solutions are just awful. You talk about tax taxes and and uh, corporate taxes and all this kind of thing. It all sounds good on paper. Uh, I, I agree with loopholes on Amazon. People like that who have so many billions of dollars, they're able to avoid taxes. That uh, that's not fair. But uh, there are ways to do that. I just don't think they want to do that because these are people who contribute to them. Because there's there's been an interesting reversal that people will talk about, but I'm not so sure they understand the depth of it and the significance of it. I remember back when Rockefeller Republicans were the rich guys and all the Republicans were called Country Club Republicans right. and all that. Of uh, course, and that's how we refer to all of these Republicans—that they were just rich and they didn't—they re- were out of touch and they didn't know anything. Well, that's completely reversed. It is now we have all of these these extremely wealthy people who are on the side of Democrats, and they're now the Country Club Limo guys, and no one really paid attention to that giant switch. And so, it's it's just interesting to me to watch the economic policies of the Biden administration, how they're handing them down, spending like... I think Trump spent too much. He really did. Uh, I think that most Republicans spent too much. I think George Bush spent too much right. on great things, but he just can't seem to rein in these bureaucracies. Everybody talks about spending and taxing. No one talks about cutting. Yeah. And really have a, a group of people within Congress that have a strong voice that talk about reducing the size of government instead of increasing it. And uh, of course, when you get Democrats into office, their whole purpose is to uh, increase the size Spend of government. Underway, yeah. every answer to the
0: government. I had Senator Mike Braun on here, and he's one of the few voices in the Senate. he, he kind of when they when he talks about it, he kind of gets uh, like he has a third eye or something. But he's one of the few voices in the Senate saying, "Listen, at some point, we got to stop spending like this. We got to tighten our belt." And everybody looks at him like, "What are you talking about? We could just print more yeah, money." You're crazy. It's it's great. And 20 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, there were a lot of people that talked talked about fiscal standing. We had a balanced budget for a period of time. It's hard to even remember that period now. That was back in Clinton. It was. Well, the it was the cause, years.
1: that was Newt Gingrich. So you know that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If it had not been for Newt Gingrich, that wouldn't have happened.
2: No,
0: absolutely. The contract but with America. Focused... I
1: mean, in all fairness, Clinton was the president. He's going to get credit for it. Sure. But I mean, they sure. keep talking about our children and grandchildren. Well, I have children, and I'm going to have grandchildren. Are you really that worried about them? Because they're the ones that are going to really pay the price for all this
0: stuff. They sure are. No, that really is true, and uh, we've just kicked it. I want to take you one more place because I think it's a. Uh, I hear more and more people every day talking about this, and as we're heading into Memorial Day and and the Fourth of July, two great holidays for me personally. Um,
1: hey, look, these, we're going to be able to have a barbecue out in the backyard, you know. Isn't that no good
0: feeling? I know. <laughs> and we can take our mask off outdoors. How about that? So That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, there is this whole movement in America to talk down America, to look at everything America's done with a negative eye. And I wonder, uh, you, you've been a great student of history, how did we get to this point and is it reversible? Can we get out of this rut of seeing that everyone's racist, everyone is uh, flawed, everyone has got a bad story, we're ashamed of America, we can't uh, appreciate our founding fathers anymore. How did we get to that point and is there a way to start to reverse it?
1: Well, in my memory, historically, because I lived through the 60s, right, it all really started to boil in the 60s. and The victimization of Americans, I believe certain people in America that were on the left were all of a sudden designated as victims, and so you couldn't oppose them, you couldn't uh, talk down to them, you couldn't correct them, you couldn't do anything. It was just, they're the victims and you're a bad guy because you're not a victim. And then out of that has grown this whole white supremacy thing, and then the Black Lives Matter movement, which interestingly enough, the State Department is now allowing our Embassies to fly their flag around the around the world. I, it's just nuts. Of course, the State Department. I'm going to say this. You may want to refute it because uh, people get mad at me when I say this the state department has been filled with Marxists for years. You <laughs> know, nobody pays attention to
0: it. <laughs> I know that's been a popular talking point for a long time with conservatives, but I got some FOIAs recently and it's really true. You really see a mentality that's grown there. And again, you, you know, I, I don't even know if they see it themselves, what they're espousing, but you get some of these documents. They're like, wait a second, that's not very American. What are they talking about? Uh, there is a culture there and it has set in and it's been there for a long time. I, 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 I believe it after reading those documents.
1: You know, it's interesting, John. If I, I don't know what the answer to is to reversing all of this nonsense that's going on. And I'm not sure it can be done through elections. I'm not sure it can certainly start there by holding people responsible. I don't know whether the American people raising their families, trying to take care of their children, uh, you know, being concerned about their jobs, living life day to day with the problems and overcoming the problems that we all have, have the time to invest in this. And so That's I, I think it's, it's left an escape door for these people in the bureaucracies to, to fomate, fomate, fomate this stuff and then just completely perpetuate it to where it becomes kind of the normal conversation when, in fact, there's nothing normal about it at all in America. And I don't think it's that we've allowed it. It just happened. It's just we've got a a group of people, a a large group of people, who really want to perpetuate this whole Marxist, anti-American talk, language, uh, movies, television, books, and once it gets started in our educational system and through our culture of uh, movies and television and places like that, radio, it's very, very difficult to knock it down, and... And I know they know that. And so the thing that is, is, when Biden was elected and Trump was that interrupter for four years, Right. I think the Democrats finally looked at this, said Biden's elected. Let's push through as much crap as we don't care what people say about it. We don't care what they think about it. Let's just push it through anyway. If we have to get rid of the filibuster, fine. If we have to pack the court, fine. If Whatever it takes, we're going to get this stuff done as much as we can, because in 2022, we may lose it all. Yeah.
0: The reverb. And I think that that's starting to sign up. But you mentioned the Jimmy Carter phenomenon. It feels a lot like it's 1979 in the White House in 1993 in Congress. And, you know, that brought us to Gingrich Revolution 94 and the Reagan Revolution of 80. It seems like there's a perfect storm brewing for the Democrats to really get uh, a whooping. And I think that the, you're right. This next six, eight months may be the most instrumental time they have. Well, they're really attacking through.
1: Republicans and Trump daily, yeah. so you know that they're worried. Yeah, 100%. Uh, isn't it? I, wanted, I wanted to tell you this, because when I was uh, back in the 70s, I was on my mother's back porch in Kentucky, and I was talking about Jimmy Carter, and I I was not, not that happy with him. and Right. And, I was, and my mother looked at me, and she said, well, you know, he really loves his mother.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, holy cow this is like this is going right down to the nub of this how people feel that if he loved his mother he could be the worst friend on earth it doesn't matter he gets a pass. <laughs>
0: that is very funny oh my gosh that's great well, uh, we all should love our mothers for sure, but that still allows Absolutely. us to be discerning politicians, and uh, and uh, we have a lot of discerning to do. Chuck, I can't thank you enough for the time you spent. I know how busy you are, but we're we're just so grateful. We we enjoy your conversations on social media, and uh, you you really know how to speak the truth to the American public. We're really grateful
1: for that. You know, John, I can't tell you how how thankful I am for you and how incredibly surprised that you follow my Twitter feed, because then you know how how grammatically incorrect and how bad a speller I am. (laughs) (laughs) You let that go by the way just to get to the content of it, so I really appreciate that. It's
0: the power of the content for sure, there's no doubt. It makes
1: me feel a lot better, so I really appreciate it. Thank you, John.
0: Same here, sir. You have a great Memorial Day weekend. All right, buddy. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. God bless. All right, folks. How about that? Chuck Woolery, what an incredible opportunity. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. Be right back. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, Visit AMAC, justnews Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at amac.amac.us/justnews. That's amac.us/justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And today, we're going to take you someplace special. I bet you, when you woke up this morning, you weren't thinking, "I'm going to be thinking about Lithuania today." But we need to be thinking about Lithuania first—a great American ally. Second really involved in the effort to protect political uh, uh, prisoners, people who have been fleeing the violence and the crackdown in the in the country, the old Soviet Republic of Belarus, a really gracious neighbor, a, a one dedicated to freedom and to uh, the safety of political uh, refugees. And so we're lucky enough to have today the youngest member of the Lithuanian parliament, a member of the Freedom Party. We all love the word freedom. His name is Marius Machizaitis, and um, sir, I'd like to welcome you to, to the show. Good afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor to have you. And um, first off, I, I love when we, we have the pleasure of meeting someone from another country who also is so important to America. Tell us a little bit about how you came to be the youngest member of parliament. How did you get into politics?
3: Well, uh, answering the part uh, how I become the youngest member of the Parliament, I guess is just the um, uh, well by accident. <laughs> there was no <laughs> other youngest uh, member uh, of the Parliament for for, for this term. Uh, I am 28 years old. Wow. Our uh, minimum term is 25. Right. So last term we had uh, M- MPs who started when they were 25 and uh he, he, also our uh, leader of our freedom party who's um minister of economics and innovation she was 26 when she entered um well last um, term so there has been youngest younger well uh, members of the parliament uh, obviously before me and uh but for this term i am i am the youngest and i, I guess it's just the accident uh how are you Started my career in politics. Well, it was also quite natural I guess because I was always into humanitarian sciences, social sciences, history, geography, literature, and um, things like that and I became an activist when I was uh, 15-16 years old uh, member of some NGOs like youth organizations, Uh, so we we were active uh, expressing our um, well political um, Agendas, let's call it like that. And uh, after that, I I went to study uh, political science and international relations to Scotland. I graduated uh, in uh, from the University of Aberdeen, sure, uh, northeast of Scotland. So um, there, I studied basically international politics. Uh, um, in a very international community with uh, lecturers from around the globe and uh, students from all over the Europe and the uh, world. Um, so uh, the the field was very uh, cosmopolitan international and uh, uh, it's not only theory but also this practical, uh, way to understand other cultures, other uh, let's say worlds, uh, then the mentality of uh, people from other states and um, so uh, yeah, so after studies, one year later I came back to Lithuania. I was a manager in the office. Uh, my career started uh, after graduation uh, started like that and um, gradually uh, I became an activist in a group uh, that decided to establish a party. Uh, We needed 2000 signatures and uh, a proper campaign to establish a party legally. Uh, I I was there from the very beginning, 2000, uh, January 2019. Right. And um, so I went through all those uh, stages of of, uh, the creation of our uh, relatively new uh, liberal party in Lithuania. I became well a branch a chair a deputy chair of our Konas branch that's the second biggest city in Lithuania right and uh, eventually uh, somebody offered me to run for the elections in the parliament and uh, um well t- there was a lot of uh, work and uh, finally I was uh, elected <laughs> so how Long story about short,
0: that and uh, now deeply engaged in in the business of democracy and governance. That's really exciting, uh, and so you helped form the Freedom Party. Is that correct? Oh uh, yes. Wow, what a really cool thing to be able to do—create your own political party, then run for office, and and be able to give back to your to your country. The um, Belarus is not a country that we maybe talk about all the time in the United States, but it is one that our government and our intelligence communities have been watching for quite some time. There's a very totalitarian regime there. And there are these political refugees who have fled uh, the totalitarianism and they've come to Lithuania. And Lithuania has given them safe passage and security. Uh, And this past week, in the last week, we did have a little bit of news about Belarus, even in the American media, because the leader of the country forced a plane down uh, in an effort to uh, get a dissident journalist uh, arrested or apprehended. Um, but you live this every day and your country has been so gracious to take in those fleeing the totalitarianism of Belarus. Tell us a little bit about what Lithuania has done. How many Belarusians are you protecting and what the situation is on the ground there right now?
3: Well, uh, I cannot tell exactly the well, the exact number of uh, Belarusian opposition uh, or, 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 say, refugees that are in place in in Lithuania at the moment, but there's um, obviously thousands. However, because, you know, some of them have this uh, legal protection. Um, right. Um, and some of those has visa. And if we uh, talk, I guess we will be talking about Roman Protasevich, this, the, the last political um prison in, right. in Minsk in belarus so he only got a visa because he didn't apply for refuge and therefore our uh, security agents didn't, didn't really uh, look close to uh well didn't track him or protect him um, so much right. because he didn't apply for that um so um we probably need to do even more but but what you what you expressed very uh correctly that we are welcome we are open to w- welcome them all uh and uh, lithuania is a very um i would say comfy place uh because we didn't have a language we do not have a language barrier uh that big and in in Vilnius in claypeda uh people uh Communicate in Russian if, if if they if they need so. Right. Uh, young people, uh, uh, elder people alike. So and uh, young Belarusians they speak English properly. So there's also not a problem. And we do have programs to integrate uh, Belarusian uh, workers in our um, market, uh, transport or uh, building sector or even other. And we have this uh, Belarusian-Lithuanian university. Uh, that attracts a lot of uh, students from Belarus uh, in in, in recent years. So, sorry, I do not have the statistics exactly how many people there are, but I'm sure there's uh, thousands and, well, the borders are even more um, dangerous like from today, uh, actually, so I'm quite sure that we will have to uh, welcome uh, much more.
0: It's remarkable, you know, in our country, Uh, Lithuania obviously is such an important part of the narrative of the end of the Cold War. Lithuania, of course, was the first Baltic state to leave the Soviet Union even before the Soviet Union uh, had dissolved itself. And so it took an act of courage, an act of democracy to to make that happen. And we have watched, you know, for the last 30 years, Lithuania's developed a pretty remarkable economy. It has a, a great record on human freedom it has a great record on democracy, and yet it is surrounded by a lot of former Soviet republics and others that uh, don't share the same uh, value system, the same commitment to human rights, the same commitment to human freedom. Uh, and so it really stands as a beacon in the in the Baltic region as, as, you know, representing what we in America value so much. When you look out now and you see what's going on in Belarus, when you see, you know, Russia with Putin, uh, how does... Uh, Lithuania managed to just thrive as a, uh, a human rights-loving democracy amongst a lot of countries that probably don't share the same values. Uh, how have you guys been able to pull that off?
3: Well, I would say the end of 90s, the beginning of uh, 2000s uh, has been those years' turning point. And Belarus and Russia has elected leaders that were probably in not probably, definitely not good for democracy. Yeah, and right. uh, Lithuania uh, had some leaders who has been who has been determined to seek for the membership in the European Union and NATO, and has done a lot of necessary reforms to uh, reach the standards needed. From two thousand four, uh, when we entered NATO and European Union, uh, we 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 still. Uh, we still strive uh, for better, like uh, every year, every month, every day. Um, um of course, we have all kinds of debates and, and downfalls, as any political system. I would say any democracy, of course, as well. Of course, uh, even Western democracies, the uh, uh, you know, and there's some setbacks. Even the in in the U.S., I would say there has been recently when now we uh, really value uh, new. Uh, um, President Biden actually um, and his uh, leadership and, and his uh, vision of democracy first uh, this is uh, this is what uh, really uh, warms our heart and uh, we share the same vision democracy first and uh, so when we talk about uh, well helping uh, Eastern partnership countries like uh, Belarus, Ukraine, uh, Moldova Right, uh, uh, Georgia and in Caucasus, uh, um, Armenia, Azerbaijan. Um, so we really do lots of uh, well diplomatic steps, economic steps, and even um, um, even aiming some steps with NATO uh, in Ukraine. Right. Uh, to really um, well show them that it is possible to be a success story that. Baltic countries are uh, at the moment, just as you say, that Lithuania is uh, valuing uh, human rights and 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 um, and um, has this uh, really proper standard of democracy um, in the European um, standard, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Now it is. and and I, I know President's Republican and democratic light have always held up Lithuania here in the United States as an example of a country that really made a tremendous uh, evolution from departing the Soviet Union and, and becoming you know, a beacon of freedom in a, in a region that doesn't have a lot of freedom in a lot of places. You look around, there's a lot of countries here. How concerned are not only Lithuanians, but all the Baltic states about what uh, President Lushenko in um, Belarus has been doing? I mean, how bad is the situation in Belarus right now?
3: Well, it is extremely bad because uh... Well, since August, uh, people know that elections has presidential elections has been stolen from the people, right, right. Uh, of, of Belarus, and we um, we protect this uh, rightfully elected um, president, uh, Svetlana tsikhanovskaya right? And um, she's a
0: refugee in your comp- uh, country, correct? Right.
3: Yes. And uh, well, uh, from then, uh, in in Belarus, there's uh, four hundred thirty political prisoners. Wow. So you, th- these people are not criminals. Right. Uh, these are the people, or journalists, students, uh, members of different kinds of associations that uh, has been uh, peacefully showing their um, political um, will, uh, asking for free and fair elections. But uh, instead, they were beaten and put into prison. Oh, there is. Oh, it's the situation is so bad that if you go to a shop right now with uh, a wrong type of colors on your clothes uh, i mean uh, you could be uh, also beaten and wow. there's also um stories of murder um, mm. on wednesday a student who was uh, accused of participating in a in a protest, peacefully protest he was uh, he committed suicide i saw that yes um, mm. so i do not know where to start from but the situation of uh this is a criminal regime let's put it like that because uh it's 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 uh, it's beyond words <laughs> to say how bad it is yeah. and lithuania is really concerned uh regular people uh, politicians um, agencies are watching um uh, every every day every week uh, following the events and uh, so yes, we we are we are telling the uh, well the businesses of uh, Belarus uh, that uh, you have all the chances to do business in Lithuania or re- redeploy work here uh, uh, for temporary time or permanent time uh, until it uh, fixes because it has to fix. Uh, well, the regimes, to- 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 totalitarian uh, dictatorships, these kind of regimes are e- extremely aggressive in the end. Yep. So we must understand that that it's probably the beginning of the end so we are concerned that uh, about how far it can go further sure. uh, that's our main concern but yeah. it, it has gone far um, already <laughs> so yeah. that's my interpretation
0: well, we have a lot of world history to show that when a regime is is hanging on for dear life though, what sort of brutality you can see we saw it in syria we've seen it in so many places but the the Belarusians who've been able to get to your country are so blessed to have the protection of Lithuania, to have the um, the human rights acknowledgement that um, is there. Now we're we're many miles away. Obviously, we've always stood with Lithuania through, uh, through all everything going all the way back to World War II. But what can Americans here do? You know, everyday Americans. What can our government do to assist those trying to topple the regime in Belarus and to. Uh, protect those who have been persecuted by this totalitarian regime.
3: In my opinion, uh, uh, the United States is doing already um, a lot, and uh, we should just keep up with that, um, expressing their support for Lithuanian position yep. Lithuanian expressed position. Because we we are closer, as you just mentioned, we probably know some uh, things from our intelligence agencies and our. Uh, in- intuition as well because we we are from the same uh, block of countries that uh, uh, quit uh, the soviet union and uh, by by the fact belarus is still is still under well the satellite country of uh, russian uh, regime uh, kremlin right. regime let's call it like that so under the, the united states obviously we we share the information we we do that already we always ask uh, american um, uh, uh, Officers and high-ranking officers to um, to be in our alliance when we are in a very uh, high high high-class uh, conferences. Right. Uh, G7, you know, um, all kinds of uh, United Nations uh, talks. Uh, like ICE, uh, International Civil Aviation Organization, was, uh, has uh, just finished. Um, the conference this morning, and uh, the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, together with um, Sweden and and in countries like that, it has been uh, the, in the same voice of Lithuania. And this is uh, this is a lot already. Uh, so sure I, I think is. we we are doing a, a very good work. We should continue, and uh, you know, sharing information, talking the what be the one voice. You
0: know. We are um, so grateful for the example that Lithuania has been since the downfall of the Soviet Republic. And When we look here in America, uh, it's always a, a country we talk about and say, you know what, they got it right. They, they practice uh, democracy, human freedom. They, they, they walk the walk, they talk the talk. And uh, in this difficult situation with Belarus right now, I think we're very blessed. To, to see uh, how you guys are are, are standing firm and protecting people who otherwise would be persecuted. It is a, a great example. And of course, this weekend in America, we celebrate Memorial Day where we honor those who fought for freedom in the past and gave their life uh, in in uh, the name of freedom. And, and today we see a pretty remarkable example of, of you, sir, and, and your great country stepping up and helping those who are being persecuted for, uh, being political refugees, and it's a remarkable thing. So, thank you for educating us. It's an important thing, and we wish you luck in Lithuania as you um, as you fight this totalitarian government to your to your neighbors' uh, right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it, it was a pleasure to be invited. Yeah, thank you for for making us smarter. We really appreciate it. All right, folks, we're going to go to quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the holiday weekend. Be right back. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. What a day. Huh? We started with some 1776 patriotism, an opportunity to remember all that is going on in the world, in our schools, and we ended it. Uh, with a a remarkable conversation of democracy in action in a little Soviet, former Soviet Republic called Lithuania, we all know where it is, uh, in the Baltics. Uh, Their uh, courage in standing up to its neighbor Belarus and protecting political prisoners and political refugees who have fled the violence and the crackdown and the totalitarianism that has occurred in Belarus. We we saw the jet force down, uh, but the NP, the member of parliament, uh, Marius Matosaitis really helped us understand what's going on. It, you know, sometimes we live in our own worlds are so busy and we don't realize some of the, uh, threats to freedom. we've talked a lot about Hong Kong and what China is doing all across the world, but particularly in Hong Kong, uh, Belarus is another one of those places, obviously not as big and powerful as China, but certainly in the sphere of Russian, Vladimir Putin, and what it is doing to its own people, to those who oppose the president, who just want democracy and freedom like we enjoy on this great country's soil. While well, they've been persecuted, and this little tiny country, I think it's less than 3 million people, people—Lithuania has stood up and said, we will protect these dissidents. We will not allow them to be killed or imprisoned just because they're arguing for freedom and democracy, election fairness. Something all of us here in America should appreciate as we fight for our own election fairness, for our own election integrity, for our own freedoms in an era where some people want to restrain them, constrain them. The great country of Lithuania should be an inspiration. They're small but mighty in the fight for freedom and in the fight for human rights. That's pretty cool, pretty good. And they clearly take their example from the great United States of America. So glad to take you to back to the Baltics just for a few minutes so that you could be a little aware of what's going on and uh, throw your support, your prayers to those being persecuted in Belarus and those in Lithuania fighting for their freedom and safety and protection. Pretty cool stuff. All right. It is time to go into my favorite weekend of the year, Memorial Day weekend for all who have served. You have my heartfelt thanks to all who have given your lives as I will this weekend and often do we, when we walk by your headstones at these great military cemeteries of the world, we remember your sacrifice. You will never be forgotten. I know the listeners on this show, the members of my own family, my child, my son, my wife, my father who served during the Vietnam War, who served as a police chief after that, and my great uncles who fought in World War II, particularly my Uncle Henry and my Uncle Stanley. Uh, one was an infantryman of great valor, the other... A uh, army medic of great valor. They're long since gone, but their sacrifice and the example that they gave my generation and the generations that followed them is never lost. It is held right here in my heart, in my mind, and we're going to pass it on to many generations ahead. To the brave, to the wounded, to those who have fallen, we honor you this weekend. We salute you and um, know that your sacrifice is forever forever appreciated. God bless everyone. Have a great weekend. We're so lucky to be in this great country of America. All the craziness aside, you know what? We're still the best darn country the world ever created. All right. Have a great weekend. Barbecue some steaks, throw some shrimp on the thing. Hey, if it's raining, put some ExpressVPN on your computer system and protect your data. All those are friends of uh, this show, friends of just the news brand pay them back, buy their services if you need them. Good steak, good seafood, good security express VPM, good HR for my friends at Bambi. Uh, If you're a small business with HR, great folks all around. You got a moment, check them out this weekend. All right, God bless, God send. We'll be back on Memorial Day with a special tribute to the incredible fighting men and women of the United States Armed Forces. God bless.